The New Orleans Saints defeated the Atlanta Falcons to sweep the season series. But should this win save the coaching staff's job? That's a conversation we have to have. Some bright spots as well. We'll talk about all that right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, everyone? Welcome back inside the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media. This podcast is sponsored by Birdsall Law, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media, located at 918 Porges Street by the Superdome. You can give them a call at 504-523-5413 if you or someone you know has been involved in an accident. Birdsall Law, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media. So the Saints won today. It was not pretty. That'll probably be the nicest way to put it. But there are a lot of positives to take away from this in terms of young players that I think are going to be part of the Saints' future for next season, two years from now, a couple years down the road. And those are great things. And those are all the type of building blocks that you want to see in a season that kind of feels like a lost one. That being said, when you do win a game like this and you do reside in the NFC South, which is the worst division in the NFL by a country mile, the question becomes whether or not the Saints make a playoff push, whether or not this could save the coaching staff. And for me, I'm in the group right now where I don't think a win over the Atlanta Falcons today should save this coaching staff. I just don't think that's the case. And and there's two reasons why for that. For starters, I think the Saints today, although they beat the Falcons, did a lot of the same stupid crap that they've been doing the whole season. Start off with a 14-0 lead, play really well offensively to start this game to the point where I'm like, okay, that bye week clearly worked for Pete Carmichael. They have really learned from mistakes that they made against the Buccaneers. And yet, after that 14-0 start, this offense really just stalled. A lot of punts, a turnover um, with the fumble from David Johnson, just looking really sloppy. And that just was a little reminder that a lot of us needed to say, hey, this is who they are. Like, yes, the Saints did win today, and the Saints are not incapable of winning games. I mean, it's their fifth win of the season. Their point differential this year is actually not that bad for a team that is four games under 500. That being said, I, I do feel like this all those themes, right, that we've complained about with the Bucs game, a lot of them came up today. The Bucs just didn't seal the deal because, well, they don't have Tom Brady. They had a quarterback making his first start, and they had some bad breaks, actually, towards the end of the game that just didn't go uh, in their favor. So, it, you know, the script was there for the second straight game where the Saints almost blew a 14-point lead. It just didn't happen. Now, here's the bigger issue I have with this game. So I mentioned the Saints offense. They scored 14 points off out of the gate, and then they really struggled. The Falcons didn't have... Their defensive coordinator, the poor guy, got knocked out during pregame warmups. had to be taken to the hospital. Thankfully, he's okay. He's meeting back up with the team. But that is, you know, one of those situations where the team learns an hour and a half, maybe an hour before the game, that they're not going to have their defensive coordinator. And you still struggle to put up points against a defense that, let's be real, could have been had today. There were a lot of moments in this one. Like I said, the David Johnson fumble. There were opportunities in the first half where I thought the Saints could slam the door shut on the Falcons, and they didn't. And again, I'm glad the Saints won because they don't have their first-round pick. You want them to continue. First off, it's the Falcons. You want to beat the Falcons, of course. But you want that pick to go up because the Eagles own that pick. You do not want to be sitting there on draft night hearing about how the Eagles own the number five pick in the draft, and it's, it's the Saints, and they don't own it. No one wants that. So you are happy about those things. I just think you can't be a, a true prisoner of the moment, though, and think that this win should save a lot of people's jobs. I just don't see it. 
you know, if you go out there and beat the Browns, maybe I start to change my mind. If you go out there and beat the Browns and then beat the Eagles, yeah, then I start to definitely say, okay, maybe they're turning a corner. But can you do that? I don't know. And I, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see because I tweeted, you know, after the game is over, yes, the Saints swept the Falcons, but the Saints have not won back-to-back games this year. Will they change that this season, this Saturday coming up, Christmas Eve, against the Browns? I still have my doubts, but we'll see what happens. Again, you got to take context into everything. They really, 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 really got to the point where I thought they were going to blow this game to Desmond Ritter making his first start. So just bizarre to me. And and before I get into comments, because I see you guys dropping them in, what I want to start off from the positive side is – Jawan Johnson balled the hell out. Four catches, 60-plus yards, two touchdowns. He was the DraftKings Sportsbook player of the game. And I think for me, he's playing so well now, especially in terms of making big plays, that the need for a tight end isn't that dire as you would have thought it was maybe a couple months ago, maybe before the start of the season. And the stat that is the most telling Jawan Johnson is second in touchdowns for tight ends. The only tight end he does trail is Travis Kelsey. And while it is by a big margin, 12 touchdowns to to seven touchdowns, he's got more touchdowns than guys like George Kittle, more touchdowns than guys like Dalton Schultz, guys like Darren Waller. So I want to tip my cap that's not actually on my head to Jawan Johnson. And I really feel like this was a type of game that solidified that idea that he really is taking those steps and he could get only better at this. You know, like this could be, a him kind of scratching the surface. I hope it is. That was a takeaway, a positive one, because I know a lot of people think I'm negative about the Saints, and I am, admittedly, but that was one of the positives. I was so thrilled with the way Juwan Johnson played today. And keeping it on the positive note, because, guys, they did win the game. There are positives to take away from this. Rashid Shahid, man, he's a damn good football player. And I think the the 68-yard touchdown early was just yet, yet another piece of evidence that he is not just a kick returner. He could be a big play wide receiver. I feel like we are still in that weird rhythm where he gets a big play early and then doesn't really get a lot of usage after. I still feel like that's a thing, but the fact that he's doing it now on a week to week basis, I start to wonder what is the ceiling for Rashid Shahid? You know, again, he's not just a kick returner. He is turning into honestly a borderline wide receiver too at this rate. And I think that, for Rashid Shahid, these last three games, really, really good opportunity to push yourself up the depth chart for next season. Could he be a wide receiver three next year? I'm not going to say it's not possible because, my God, he looks really good. So those were the two players that when I watched this game, I looked around, I'm like, man, thumbs up all around. I thought they played great. So Rashid Shahid, Juwan Johnson, give them a lot of props. What I did not love, and I continue not to love, the Saints run defense. If we go to the playoff teams that we've seen the Saints over the last couple of years, 17, 2018, 2019, 2020, great run defense. The Saints forced you to pass the football because you weren't going to run on them. And I'm not expecting that level of dominance, but to give up 231 yards on the ground to the Falcons in a game where they got their rookie quarterback in, which means you know they want to run the football because there's no better aid to a rookie quarterback than a great running game. So you knew the Falcons were going to run the football. And my God, they ran it all over you. Tyler Algier had 8.2 yards per carry, 139 yards on the ground total. He was fantastic. There were moments where he looked unstoppable and no knock on Tyler Algier. I actually really liked him out of the draft. If you just go search up my Twitter username and then type in his last name, Algier, there's a couple of things where I put him on my list of running backs I'd like to see the Saints take in the mid rounds. And 
this kid is good, but 8.2 yards per carry good? That should not be the case. It should never be the case. So I think today was another reminder that this Saints defensive line in the offseason is going to be a really, really big point of emphasis. A lot of us, like myself, are going to sit here and yell about the coaching staff and yell about the quarterback situation. And that's the easy thing, right? It's easy to really yell about those things because those are important spots. But the defensive line needs to get better, right? You cannot play against the Falcons who are starting Desmond Ritter for the first time this season who know they're not going to be this prolific passing team. And to get dominated in the run game, that's tough because you know it's coming. You just can't stop it. That's where I get scared. It's different when you get thrown off guard a little bit. You know, if you're so focused on stopping a Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs run all over you, I'm not saying it's acceptable, but damn, the logic makes a lot of sense. But when you know the Falcons got to run it and they still do it at will, that is where I get a little concerned. And while I am on the subject of running the football, what are we doing in these third and one situations? I've never seen a team make life more complicated for themselves than the New Orleans Saints. There was a point in this game in the first half, they had second and inches and that drive finished fourth and 16. And I was like, okay, that, well, that's just embarrassing. Can't get worse than that. Oh, but it did third and one in the red zone, David Johnson fumbles. And when plays like that happen, I just constantly look at the box score and look at the total touches for their players and go, why doesn't Taysom Hill get more usage? I'm not saying to just let Taysom Hill play every single down that he gets worn out. I'm not like, I, I think that would be very unrealistic. But I do think that we're at the point where Taysom Hill in situations where it's the red zone, situations where it's second and short, third and short, you got to just let him take you home. Now, ironically, when the Saints needed him to do that in the end of this game, he didn't. And the Falcons, you know, they weren't able to do anything with it. There was nine seconds left. They needed, a, you know, a Hail Mary and a prayer. But it's just stop over complicating things. I don't get it. And I do not get the usage for Alvin Kamara. I, I think we've reached the point right now where we got to start talking about whether or not he is just an average player in this offense. And that's not knocking Alvin Kamara. That's knocking the way they use Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara said it in the Bucks game. Stop using him like he's just another dude. But you run him up the, up, up the gut so many times, it doesn't work. You barely throw it to him. And then it's the fourth quarter, and I hate to be that guy. I, I really hate saying this. But his body language is just god-awful. And I almost don't blame him because it's like, what are you doing with Alvin Kamara? He is just another running back right now. He has one game this season where he's had at least a touchdown in. One game. He's got three touchdowns this year. All three were in that Raiders game. And I've, I've reached the point where I'm so concerned that, like, he, I don't think it's him losing his step as much as it is. They just don't use him in the ways he should be used. Look around the league. Your favorite running backs right now, they're being used in exciting ways. The Saints are like, eh, third and one, run them up the gut. Where are the outside zones? Where are the halfback stretches? Where are any plays I get Alvin Kamara running to the outside? Just running him up the gut like he's Peyton Hillis from 2012, whatever the fuck season it was that he had a good year. It doesn't work, but they keep doing it. So that, that was my biggest complaint in this game. Honestly, it was the usage of guys like Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill, particularly in short yardage. I don't get what they're doing in that regard. Now, they still won the game. They're still technically in the playoff hunt because this division is so freaking bad. But... They haven't won back-to-back -back games this year. That's where you get concerned. But more importantly, you did blow yet another lead, and you were just fortunate enough to hold on if Justin Evans doesn't slap that ball out of Drake London's hands and into the hands of Bradley Roby, 
How does this game finish? I think it's a very fair question to ask. And obviously, I want the Saints to win. That's not me saying I wanted the Falcons to convert there. That would be asinine. But context context is important. And just thinking about w- the way they won this game, it doesn't it doesn't leave a great taste in your mouth. You know, I'm still happy. A win is a win. I'll always say a win is a win. But they did the same things they did the last game. They just didn't lose it. That is what aggravates me. Now, I'm still happy about this win. I'm going to go carry on with the rest of my Sunday after I get through done through all your comments that you guys have. But you guys have to feel the same way, right? Like, this is a, a repeat performance of last game. They just didn't run into Tom Brady at the end. That's the difference. That really is the difference. Anyway, guys, let's get into your comments. Let's see what you guys have for me. Uh, I hate sounding like a negative Nelly or whatever the hell, Nancy, whatever type of name you want to use with an N, but that's just how I felt about it. Jack says, Drew Brees to leave Purdue to become head coach. Yeah, not going to happen, but man, it would be uh, would be a hell of a story. But he did make it seem like he's there for interim basis, and that is it. Don't really blame him. Uh, coaching is a commitment. But man, it would be a fun story, right? And I, I, I still think if the Saints aren't going to fire D.A., you better at least get rid of Pete Carmichael because you cannot run this offense back again. You just can't. It's really frustrating. Realm Feet says the secondary playing their ass off to be complimented by horrible run defense and inconsistency on offense. Yeah, I thought the secondary today, really good game. I thought there were moments where Drake London had a lot of great plays, but again, he's a really talented rookie receiver. And I look at it on the flip side. Elante Taylor today should have had, what, like two interceptions, one being a pick six, the other one getting called back on a practicality. So I, I thought Alante looked good. Tyron Matthew actually looked really good today. I'll have to watch again and, and make sure my eyes weren't lying to me, but I thought Tyron Matthew looked pretty good. And then Justin Evans obviously made the game-saving play. So, I mean, right there, I'm listing three DBs that I thought played really well today. And I, I think the secondary definitely did their thing. Troxy says, push the restart button already. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's... I, I don't know about the restart button. I'm cool with pushing the retool button. I think they're going to need to do it, but restart might be a little too rich for my blood. You know, Paulie Rocky horror says it wasn't pretty, but I'll take it. And then Habana says, uh, Habana says, Oh my God, we won. You guys talking about it being a nasty win. It is a nasty win. It is a nasty win. It's still a win. It is a sweep over the Falcons in the saints worst year that they'll probably have in a long time, which is, you know, a little bit of a consolation prize, right? To just, you know, when you have those arguments, which reminds me, we were in, a live stream after the Saints lost to the Bucks, and we were talking about, you know, the Falcons rivalry because some some Falcons fan came in the chat and he was talking, and I, I was like, look, this is not the year to talk shit between the Falcons and the Saints because both teams are bad. That being said, the Saints are so bad this year, and they still swept the Falcons. So that's a little the little consolation prize of this. And as Alex just said, uh, Saints having their worst season in a minute and still managed to sweep Atlanta. Um, pretty damn pretty damn sweet really sweet red joseph says pelicans blow two double digit leads in a row and the saints were a player two away from choking a 14 point lead dennis allen's impact with a little emoji uh yeah look i can't get into the pelican stuff admittedly i did not watch the last two games Uh, i was just able to check the box score and then see devin booker's numbers i was like what the hell happened there but look it, it is a theme it is a theme you were up 14 nothing and there was a point in this game where Atlanta had the ball down 21-18 with a chance to take the lead or tie it. And those are the moments where you get really frustrated. And I, again, I'm glad Justin Evans forced the fumble. That play, the ball bounced away. Like, figuratively, 
and literally bounced their way for once, which was awesome to see. But, you know, who's to say next week against the Browns, they don't get out to a hot start, and all of a sudden, Deshaun Watson and Nick Chubb and those boys, they pick it up. Which, by the way, reminds me, I talked about this run defense being terrible. You got Nick Chubb next week. And his backup's pretty good, Kareem Hunt. You know, I mean, that's the type of run game that if this Saints defense, if this like wasn't a fluke at all, and I don't think it was a fluke, I just think they're a bad run defense now at this stage because they're they're an aging defensive line. If this run defense has a similar performance against the Falcons, they will get run against the Browns. They'll get run off the field by Cleveland because Cleveland has a dynamic running attack. So I do think that there are negatives from this game that I think if they show up in the next game, boy, it could be ugly. But we'll see what happens there. Habana says, I feel like this game showed us that the future is bright talent-wise, but they're also their own worst enemy. Yeah, right? Look, I walk away from this game, and I'm excited about Juwan Johnson. I'm excited about Alante Taylor. I'm excited about Caden Ellis and and, uh, Rashid Shaheed and still Chris Olave, obviously. But stupid mistakes and just letting your your team uh, opponent, excuse me, hang around back-to-back weeks, that is where I get frustrated. And and it's twofold, though, because you talk about the talent. That's why when people say, hit the restart button, I say don't, because this team does have a lot of talent. It's just, there are stupid mistakes that have been made this entire season. They get beat up most of the time. Today was one of those rare occurrences that it didn't cost them. So I I just think that it's something to discuss. So uh, for me, that is where... I am uh, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about all this. Max says, Alante Taylor has been balling, but hasn't been getting the place goes way. Hasn't been doing it all the right way, but something weird happens to steal his big place. Yeah, right? Like, I think this is one of those, you know, situations where it's coming. It's a matter of time. If it's this, if it's next week, maybe the week after, the Alante Taylor breakout interception slash big play, it is coming because he's putting himself in position to make them. And at some point, the kid's going to have the ball bounce his way. And I can't wait because he has worked damn hard for it. And he's the type of player in a frustrating season like this is that you walk away and you get excited about because there's so much room to grow. Room to grow as a tackler. Room to grow as a playmaker. And again, you're putting yourself in the right spots. You just have to close and settle the deal. And if you can do that, then damn, they'll be in a, good, a really good situation. Not even going to go on how bad this coaching staff... Um, not even going to go in on how bad this coaching staff and the library told about Alvin Kamara's usage. It's the same thing every week. I do, however, have some good takeaways, though. Uh, yeah, you know, I, and I'll get to your other comments uh, about the takeaways. But I think that's a good point. You know, we were told this week, we were talking about the screen game, talking about Alvin getting the ball more in space, and you felt like the big game was coming because usually when the Saints talk about it, they back it up after a while. Like the Raiders game, going into that one, so much talk about Alvin. Alvin saying the Saints got to, you know, step up. They got to own it. Well, he has 150 scrimmage yards and three touchdowns. Today, he had some good runs, especially late. But overall, it was a, it was a performance that is a solid game, but not for a guy like Alvin Kamara. And it was more of the same, like you said, in terms of running him up the gut, not really getting creative. And it, and it is frustrating. Guys talking about Alante Taylor, David Johnson's fumble, stopping them from putting it away. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's a fair assessment. I, I think if the Saints go up twenty-one nothing, that kind of shuts the door, but they didn't. And I think that is that those are the backbreaking plays, right? And 
How many times this year are the Saints going to fumble the football? Whether it is Mark Ingram, whether it is Alvin Kamara, now it's David Johnson. This team is a little bit careless in terms of running the football. And that, that for me, is where I get mad at the coaching staff. Because if you're going to make mistakes, start making new mistakes. I know it sounds stupid. Start making new mistakes. Stop making the same mistake because then it's like, are you working on it during the week? Because I don't, I don't get it. I don't see the adjustments. So that is where I'm a little bit um, torn on all that. Before I get into the good, I've never seen a team blow a multiple possession lead when a quarterback only has 80 yards in the middle of the fourth. Yeah, it wasn't a great day for Desmond Ritter. I, I thought that, you know, outside of throwing it over the middle of the field in that 10 to 15-yard radius, I, I, there wasn't a lot that I loved from Desmond Ritter today. Again, first start. It's going to take him a while. But, I, you know, that's where I'm worried. On the flip side, I, I, I do think that for New Orleans – you got Deshaun Watson next week. You got Jalen Hurts the week after. These, Those are the type of quarterbacks, if you are up with a double-digit lead, that is not safe at all, especially knowing your history, but also knowing what they can do with the football. And that that is what just kind of keeps going through the back of my head because the next two games are going to be tough ones. Talking about telling me that Jawan Johnson was a tight end one by far. They just, You know, I'm not ready to, like, stamp it yet because I want to see a couple more games, and I'm not knocking Jawan. I think Jawan has been a really good player. But, yeah, Jawan has been better than I thought he would. But at the same time, like, I want to see a little bit more consistency. But he's getting there, man. Like, Jawan at the bare minimum is a playmaker. Like, that's a bare minimum. The question is, does he make that leap to be a tight end one where you go into the offseason and you're kind of piecing together your new quarterback room and the weapons you surround them with. And one of the first guys you mentioned is Jawan Johnson. Like, okay, we got Alvin Kamara for you. We have a Chris Olave. We have a Rashid Shahid. You know, whatever other young talent you want to bring in, we have a Juwan Johnson. If you get to that point, it's like, yeah, you have really stamped it. And I, and I think he's actually going to get there, so I do agree with you that you would be right in that regard. I just want to see it a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Really feel like Taysom's passing game doesn't get enough credit. Got to give him his flowers for the 68-yard play with Shahid and then the completion after the muff snap. Yeah, I thought Taysom played really well today. But should we be surprised? Taysom Hill was a falcon killer. From you know every definition of the word, that, that's what he is. He always shows up against his team. Like he can't wait to stomp out Atlanta. Uh, sometimes I thought you know it was going to be a bigger game for him, especially when he has that early touchdown. But I mean, pretty good running game for him. A couple big passes, the huge touchdown pass. Uh, Taysom Hill did a, a, another bang-up job against Atlanta. He just owns that team, and and that's also why I don't get into debates with their fan base. Sitting there, and they're cracking jokes, and it's like, your team cannot take down Taysom Hill. Regardless what position he plays, you lose to him. So that's why I don't really get involved with that fan base. Do you feel like, uh, do you also feel like Olave doesn't get the ball as much as he should? No, I, I don't really feel that way. I think Chris Olave is... Look, today was a day where you're like, ah, oh, three catches, that's it. But, like, for the most part, he's it's been the consistent numbers, man. I'll pull up his last couple games. Three for 53, four for 65, five for 62, five for 102, six for 71, five for 52, seven for 106. Like, it's it's the big plays that we're looking for because I don't – I maybe we see things differently, guys. I don't see Chris Olave as a possession-wide receiver. I don't see him as a Michael Thomas. I don't. I don't see him as a guy that, like, every game needs to be eight receptions, ten receptions. But if he has the big plays and it's five for 80 or five for 90 or four for, for you know, 70, like, those are the games 
where you're going to get your best Chris Olave. Those, those 18 yards per catch, a big, a big touchdown. Like that is where I think Olave is at his best. I think as he gets older, he's going to start rounding out his game even more. And then we'll get into the possession wide receiver conversation. But right now, I just think he's missing that one big play. I think that is honestly why, you know, people might say, Hey, is the usage off? Cause the numbers and the targets are relatively kind of staying the same for the most part. I just think the Saints didn't have that big explosive play outside of the Rashid Shahid touchdown pass today. So that's where I'm at. But I'm still, you know, pleased with Chris Olave's progression. Yeah, I still think he's been great for them this year. And I still think going into next year, you feel pretty good about him being a wide receiver one because he's been doing this with a lackluster quarterback situation. So that's where I'm kind of at in those whole regard. Andy, don't let the ball go enough. Uh, with Jameis, they would get their shots. Um, and they were still getting in the backfield, and he would still – I uh, QB's top – okay, I'm, I'm trying to get through all these comments. All right, so QB top priority. We'll get to that. I, I do think that is a no-brainer. I mean, this is a QB situation that is not ideal, right? Because it's Andy Dalton on the one hand, Jameis Winston on the other. Your coach doesn't really trust one. The one that they does tr- uh, that they do trust isn't really worth trusting because he is aging and he's physically limited. But again, uh, guys, I'm at the point where there's three games left. Let's just get through these three games. Wipe the sweat off our forehead. Say thank God it's over, and then just go enjoy whatever the off season brings. And 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 it could be an exciting off season regardless. But yeah, QB situation will absolutely be at the top of the wish list should be at the top of the priority list. And I think that the Saints will look at every option. They will. You can't sell us on Andy Dalton again. They clearly do not think Jameis Winston should be the starter. Whether or not I agree with it, that's a different story. But if they were going to start Jameis already, it would have happened, right? Because even if, let's say, Andy Dalton wets the bed next week against the Browns, and newsflash, he will start against the Browns. They got two games left. Are they going to make a quarterback change and throw him in uh, Jameis into the Eagles game? And let's say he struggles against the Eagles, then give him one more start against the Panthers. What does that do at, at this point? You know, like, I don't disagree with you guys. If you guys are saying Jameis should start, I, I can't really argue with that. But what at this point does a quarterback change do for us? It, it really doesn't. For fantasy purposes, great. For explosive plays, awesome. Uh, for stretching the field, also great. But like outside of those, I don't know. I'm, I'm just like, I'm over this quarterback situation report. Like I hate even speaking about it because they're, they're bad options and they'll be in the market, whether it's via the draft, via free agency, via trade, got to be active and got to go get your guy because this division is going to be bad for more than one year. This is not a division that is only going to struggle this year. And that's it. This is a bad division. It's a bad division. So I, I think that I've, I've absolutely QB's at the top of the wish list because you want to figure out how to get over the hump before everyone else does in this spot. Hopefully we get a coaching staff next season that decides to use Kamara's strength and not run him through the middle of the O-line on first and second down and then taking him out. Yep. It's frustrating, man. You know how many times it's third down and they don't put him in? And I'm like, okay, well, Kamara's not in on third down. Taysom's not in on third down. What are we doing? What are we doing? Like, those are your best playmakers, and they're not on the field. On third down, that makes no sense to me, but it's been a yearly thing, and, and that's why like it's tough to even get aggravated about it anymore. We should expect it at this rate, you know? Blake Gillikin has been shaky in crunch time. Oh, yeah, yes. And, and you guys talking about that trash punt from the end zone. 
Blake Gillikin today had a punt inside the 10 where JT Gray, you know, uh, marked it down pretty well. And I was like, okay, Blake Gillikin continues to play well. Like he's ascending again. But there's a theme lately. The three worst punts of Blake Gillikin's season. Fourth quarter against the Bengals. Fourth quarter against the Bucks. Fourth quarter against the Falcons. You cannot have terrible punts in the fourth quarter that flip field position in the wrong way. They're tough, man. They're really, really tough. And I know in the grand scheme of things, no one really talks about it. No one really cares about it. But I'm telling you, like, it's a big deal. These are moments where you, you just can't afford it. Now, again, you're five and nine. This is the year where, all right, like, yeah, who cares? But it does make a big deal. If they had a better punt against the Bengals, maybe they don't lose that game. If they had a better punt against the Buccaneers and pin them back, maybe they don't lose that game. Like, field position matters. It really, really matters. And I mentioned those two. If they if they won those two games, their record seven and seven. So maybe it does matter a little bit more than people think. And I'm glad you guys brought it up about Blake Gillikin struggling in the fourth quarter. He's got to get better. He's got to. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a nerves thing, but it can't happen. It just can't happen. This team may be of bus fire, but at least we'll have a Falcon sweep this year. Yep. And you guys can take that one to the bank for bragging rights every day of the week. Every day of the week. Sweeping the Falcons feels good. No matter what year it is. Doesn't matter how bad the season's going. It's actually a little bit funnier that the Saints suck and they still swap the Falcons. Because then they suck more than the Saints. But that's uh, probably going to be the only good thing we have to come out of this season at the moment. Ain't no way that was a P.I. on Tyron. That's why I said they were trying to help Atlanta. Well, I mean, yeah, but, you know, I tweeted it. The, the refs are terrible. I, I don't know if you guys watched the uh, the Vikings-Colts game on Saturday afternoon. Refs were just on one. Like, they were in their bag in terms of bad, uh, bad officiating. And, again, with the Saints, we know how bad they are uh, officiating-wise. Why should I be, you know you know, getting up in arms about it at this point. And, and again, I'm not trying to be, I'm not saying you guys shouldn't get up in arms. The way I look at officiating, the NFL never corrected itself after the biggest fuck-up of all time in, in their league, officiating-wise, with the no-call. So when Tyra Matthew gets called for a bogus PI, and I see, you know, plays yesterday where, like, the Vikings get screwed, I, I just sit there, and I'm like, I'm not even going to get up in arms anymore because it's like you had your chance in the big moment, and you didn't take it. So now why... Why in these smaller moments am I going to lose my mind? The NFL's kind of told you they don't really give a shit, you know? But I agree with you. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, it's a bad PI call. It's just, I don't think that the NFL cares enough because the product's still great, the ratings are still great to really say, oh, we got to fix this. Now, I've been all about refs should be accountable. The NFL should be more accountable. But they're not. So that's kind of where we're at. Saints now hold the all-time regular season series lead over the Falcons. That's a little comment right here from the live stream. And, and definitely a fun one because, again, more bragging rights. More bragging rights. All-time series lead. Swept them this year. They'd never lose when Taysom Hill's on the field against them. It feels good, man. Those are, like, good things to talk about. Fun things to talk about, you know? Joseph says, I want to see Dalton to Juwan Johnson. Touchdowns more and more as the season moves forward. Yep, so three games left. We'll see if Jawan can add to that total. I think so far that, you know, he's gonna he's earning himself a lot of money. He's a free agent, I believe. And that, that is actually the scary part. And it kind of goes to this comment that we have, which is a great comment, which is, in quotes, one thing that scares me, 
that I don't uh, that I don't think our fans realize is these breakout guys that are balling are not under contract next year. LOL. Uh, yeah, like Caden Ellis, Juwan Johnson. You're gonna have to pay these guys. Like they're they're playing really well. And and now are you gonna have to pay them? You know, back breaking contracts? No, a lot more than you thought coming season. Yeah, and and I think like that's a good thing. But I, I actually look at it as a positive because. You can look at it the other way. Marcus Davenport is in a contract year, and if he balled out, I don't want to know what the price tag would be. If, if Marcus Davenport had, like, 12 sacks this year, I think he would genuinely get, like, $23, $24 million a year. He, he might get 15 from someone crazy. It might be the Saints. Like, someone's going to pay him, you know? So I, I, I think for Jawan and, and Caden, when these guys ball out, I, I almost don't even get mad. Like, it's like, all right, A, go get your money, and B, we saw with Trey Hendrickson, you know, he balled out in his um, contract year. And I thought that, you know, I didn't think the Saints should pay him because I thought they should save him for Marcus Williams. Turns out that he decided not to pay either one. But he turned out to not to be a fluke. So who knows? Maybe Caden and Juwan are like scratching the surface. You keep him in town and you kind of go from there. And maybe they continue to get better. So I do agree with you. Like it's going to cost them money. It's a, a fantastic point to bring up. But I'm at peace with it. Another comment here. I think that dude was trying to say Dalton is low risk, uh, low reward, and James is high risk, high reward. DA is choosing a low floor for in, uh, you know, quotes, consistency. Yeah, look, I'm not arguing with the logic. If someone says James should start, I'm not going to argue with you at all. Like, I, I, I have no problem with it. And I think, you know, like you said, Olave, Rashid Shahid, these are down the field vertical guys who are playing with a more operate in a West Coast type of, you know, system, Andy Dalton, it doesn't really jive as well as you'd like it to. But on the other hand, there's three games left, and I know this coaching staff does not really want to play Jameis. They've made it abundantly clear if we just all read between the lines. So I I just, I don't disagree with the comment. I'll put it that way. I have just given up on caring about the Saints quarterback situation because it is just so lame. It is so lame at this point. They need new court. They need a new QB. Need a new offensive play caller. They just need to get better as a whole. They just have to, you know. So that's kind of where I'm at, you know. And I, I see people talking about the refs. See people talking about bringing Rashid Shahid back, and uh, Rashid Shahid will be back. I have no doubt in my mind. I this was a Rashid Shahid is the type of player that. Everyone knew the Saints signed him for next year, and it just turned out that he's developed so well that he's ready for this year. So they'll bring him back. And to Hale Mendoza's point in the comment section, at least we aren't the Texans. Yeah, at least they got their first pick, though. They're going to have that first overall pick. Could maybe get someone like a Bryce Young. Could go defensive and get Will Anderson. They'll probably go Bryce. But, you know, at least they got that first-round pick. Comment here, also sidetracked from the game, but shout out to Messi for winning, uh, finally winning a World Cup in case anyone missed that this morning. I would hope no one missed it that uh, this morning because, look, I'm not admittedly a huge soccer fan. Now, I play FIFA 23 all the time. Like, that, that, is, my, that is my game. But I'm not a huge soccer fan by nature. Now, I always watch World Cup, Euro, uh, Copa America. Like, any of those big tournaments, I will, go, I will watch because... I think that's where you get your highest level of soccer, in my opinion. Like, I, I just prefer for I mean, some people might prefer Champions League. I prefer just watching international clubs. And that was the craziest soccer game I've witnessed in my life. I'm sure you guys have witnessed crazier ones, but 
you know, I'm watching it and I thought it was getting a little bit of turning into a snooze fest in the second half. And then once the 79th minute came around, just turned on its head with the, the penalty from uh, Mbappe. And then literally two minutes later, uh, him scoring on that volley, which by the way, I was sitting there, I thought he'd take a touch or two and this guy just says, no, it's fine. I'll just hit it in the air. And he's, he's fantastic. And the one thing I loved about this year's uh, World Cup final, your best players are the one that played great. Like, I know it's not, it's kind of a lame observation, but I'll go back to other World Cups and I'll think of when Germany beat Argentina. I think it was like Mario Goza who who had the, like, the, the game-winning goal. And I don't, I don't really think I've ever heard his name since. And at least today, you ended up getting those, those iconic players uh, in Mbappe and Messi doing their thing. But that's probably it for World Cup talk because at the end of the day, I, I had a blast watching this World Cup, but like I'm ready for full throttle football, especially off-season talk. It's going to be uh, pretty pretty exciting for, for this Saints team. You guys saw still on that Texans rant. You guys are on there. This is a good comment. We're actually worse off than the Texans because we have no direction. Not wrong. And kind of doubling up here. Who would have thought all those TV analysts were right about the Saints being bad at the beginning of the season? We owe them an apology. We underestimated the DA effect. I am so torn on that subject. You know... Here's where I'm at. The, those analysts were right because the Saints stink. But the Saints were right thinking the NFC stunk, right? Because the Saints made these moves going, ah, you're looking around. It's not that good of a conference. It could be had. And I'm watching these games. I think the Eagles look good. I think the 49ers have looked really good this year. But the Vikings look fraudulent to me. The Cowboys, they're fraudulent. Like, enough's enough with the Cowboys. They're a fraudulent football team. The Giants, seven wins. Are you kidding me? Like, they're not a good football team. The Commanders, also not a good football team. The Seahawks, starting to show their true colors. The Bucks, the Panthers. Like, the NFC is bad. The Saints made the right decision to go, made the right call saying it's bad, let's go for it. All their personnel moves that they made to go for it, though, didn't work out. Marcus May hasn't really been that good. Jarvis Landry hasn't really done that much. Michael Thomas, unfortunately, not healthy. So, for me, that that's where I'm at. Like, I agree with you. Like, you are right. The TV analysts... They are the ones who are correct at the end of the day. They get to take the victory lap. We don't. But the NFC really is bad. Like, the Saints were right on that aspect. They just messed up the rest of it. So that's why I'm so torn on that subject. It is so fascinating, though. It really is fascinating. Guys talking about Jawan Johnson being the best tight end in the NFC South. Um, Well, let's see. Panthers, he's better than the Panthers tight end. Better than the Bucs. You could pick either one. Cameron Brake, Kate Odd, and he's better than both of them. I mean, if you guys want to say he's better than Kyle Pitts this year, he's better than Kyle Pitts statistically. I would still take Kyle Pitts with the right offensive play caller, but statistically he's better than Kyle Pitts this year. So I got I got no problem with you guys uh, mentioning. You guys talking about the Jags uh, beating the Cowboys. So I mentioned the Cowboys being frauds. The Jags game today was why I want a young quarterback. Even if the Jags lost today, their fan base would have left that game going, Jesus, Trevor Lawrence has turned the corner and he is really coming into zone. But they go out and they end up winning anyway. But four touchdown passes, just really starting to hit his stride. They won like three out of the last four games or, or something like that. And I know they've won back-to-back now. Trevor Lawrence is starting to show why he was the number one pick. And, I, and I'm not saying the Saints are get the number one pick, but when people mention... Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, and they talk about like mid first rounders and like, hey, take a chance on him. I'm like conflicted because it's like, oh, I don't know if they're going to pan out. But at the same time, you see these young quarterbacks around the league, and I'm like, all right, like 
When do the Saints get theirs? I want to see the Saints get their young quarterback that we sit there and we overanalyze every throw they make. And when they have the good moments, we feel like we could just cry tears of joy. And when they have the bad moments, we're like, okay, it's fine. They're young. We'll be patient. So that's my takeaway from the Jags, from the Jags game. You know, that's my takeaway is that Trevor Lawrence has come into his own. He has been fantastic. And I just want the Saints to get their quarterback. They're not going to get their version of Trevor Lawrence, but my God, I, you know, I want their, I want to see what they can do with their own quarterback, you know, um, you know, and, and you guys are on the subject in the chat about talking about these teams that are really starting to rise. How about the lions? Like you mentioned, they're seven and seven. Now Dan Campbell has them six and one in their last seven games. And they are doing it on the road, beating teams like the giants, beating teams like the jets. They're doing it at home, just putting away teams like the Vikings they, they're they're legit. They're legit. And their lone loss in that seven-game stretch, the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving in a game that they were really close in. Josh Allen doesn't go berserk on the last drive. They, they force overtime. So Dan Campbell is legit. Year two, he's been great. And I know some people might use that as a, hey, well, what if DA gets a second year? I think for him... We've seen enough to know what he is. Dan Campbell didn't really have that whole experience like Dennis did with the, the Raiders stint to make that assessment. Dan Campbell's been awesome. He's been a really good coach. As Margaret says in the live chat, they are a hundred percent bought in. They they take on the identity of their coach more than any other team. You watch them play, you're like, yep, that those are Dan Campbell's Lions. They are gritty, they are tough, they fight to the last second. That's what you want, man. That's what you want. So uh that's great. And by the way, I, I'll give DA credit there. The Saints didn't quit today. I said that was going to be a thing to watch in the last four games as you play with, with the lights kind of closing out on this year and nothing really to play for. Do you still get up for the games? They got up today. That's a great start. Three games left because for DA's sake, the minute you lose the locker room is the minute you definitely lose your job. So that that is that's where things get tricky. But kudos to Dan Campbell. Shout out to Doug Peterson, another coach who got hired in this year's cycle who – is definitely a better coach than Dennis Allen, which is just a no-brainer. The guy's got a Super Bowl, and he did it against Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots. This cycle's interesting, man. Brian Dable looks like a home run hire. Mike McDaniel looks like a really good hire. Doug Peterson's doing his thing. It's two re three really bad hires so far. It's Josh McDaniels, it's Nathaniel Hackett, and it's Dennis Allen. But that's the way it goes, right? That's, that's coaching and, and the hiring cycle, like, Half of them are going to work. Half of them are not going to work. The half that don't work don't get head coaching jobs again. The ones that work, they could end up having tough years. But if they start off hot, they could get a second chance. And it's it's fascinating to me. It's it's fascinating how this works. All right, you guys want me to bring it up? I'll bring it up. Matt Ryan blowing a 33 nothing lead. Yeah, I feel bad for Matt Ryan. He's on the wrong end of two of the worst collapses in NFL history. 28-3 in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Like, worst playoff collapse we've probably seen. And then 33-0, worst loss in NFL history in terms of blowing leads. No team up 30 at halftime has ever lost a game until Matt Ryan and the Colts on Saturday against the Vikings. And that's bad, too, because they lost against the Vikings, who are actually known for crumbling in those spots. So, that's pretty tough. I'm looking around right now. I'm watching Bucks Bengals in the back, just checking that one, as if it matters. Like, NFC South's a joke, but uh, we'll see how that one goes. So I'll do about a comment or two before we wrap it up. 
like I said, look, as this season dwindles, it's unfortunate because our talking points aren't as big anymore because we've exhausted our options with this coaching staff. We've exhausted our options of looking at the NFC South that kind of just walk into the finish line and going through it. And I see you guys talking about Tampa Bay playing well. They are playing well right now. They're actually in scoring position. Could end up um, getting into uh, a 10-0 lead here. We'll see if they end up scoring. Uh, and if they do, you know, win today pretty much seals it. If, if the Bucks win today, you can just wrap it up. 100% wrap it up. I've seen people saying Olave doesn't get enough targets, but I think that's due to him being a rookie and getting vet wide receiver one attention because he doesn't have that real psychic on the field to him yet. That could be a good observation. I don't think you're wrong on it. And again, look, that's the beauty of it is the first thing you said, right? Olave is already your wide receiver one. So those bumps and bruises you thought he might go through year two because he's adjusting to be wide receiver one. He's going through them right now on the fly and he's still going to finish this year probably with a thousand yards, probably more. So I, I'm still excited, man. I'm still happy about his progression. I'm not worried. Like this is a bad quarterback situation and he's going to finish the year with 1K and really adjusting a wide receiver one. I think that's an awesome thing. Yeah, uh, another comment here as we get to close. Young coaches seem to be the way to go, but we've also seen it crash and burn, like in Arizona. And apparently, LA, who do the Saints hire if slash when DA is fired? So there's a lot of options you could go. I think the hot name on the block is Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Lions. They are humming. Jared Goff is having a transcendent year. And that is the popular name right now. Among NFL circles, you're going to hear that name a lot. Now, Frank Reich will probably come up. Eric Bieniemy will probably come up. Um, I'm sure that maybe, maybe um, the Bills offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, will come up. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills OC comes up. Um, uh, Bengals OC comes up, excuse me. That's another one who is going to be on people's list in Brian Callahan. So I, I think that an offensive coach, if the Saints do fire DA, that is my wish list. It's an offensive league, and the coaches that have worked so far, Mike McDaniel, Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, Offensive coach, offensive coach, offensive coach. Coaches that struggle from time to time. DA, defensive coach. You look around the league, man. You know, Brandon Staley, that's a coach you guys talking about maybe getting fired. Defensive coach. Ryan Flores got fired last year unfairly. Defensive coach. Steve Wilkes got unfairly fired. Defensive coach. Like, the leash for defensive coaches is super thin. Now, if they were to go defensive, D'Amico Ryans is the no-brainer hire. But I would like to see them go with an offensive-minded coach if they do fire DA. Young seem the way to go. Like you mentioned, it doesn't always work out. Guys like Kingsbury could get fired. Guys like Nathaniel Hackett will get fired. But when they hit, they hit. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, maybe Matt LaFleur. Jury's still out. Mike McDaniel's looking pretty damn good. So it works. It works. You take enough of a shot on these offensive-minded guys, eventually you find it. And judging from what you guys are saying, you would like to see them go that route. But anyway, guys, again, this season has been so draining to the point that you run out of things to talk about. And I'll have things to talk about this upcoming week, especially because they're playing the Browns, because I think that's a game where it's like, you want to keep your jobs? Start winning back-to-back -back games, which they have not done yet. So I'll have content on that for sure. Uh, as I see you guys coming in asking what's up, good, uh, good win. Rough watching that rush defense, but I'll take the W. Yeah, you always take the W, but to your point, bad run defense, and they will be going up against the Browns next week who run the football well. that That's the week coming up. This week coming up is where I think things change. 
in terms of we're going to get our answer. You either go back to the same bullshit or you start to learn from your mistakes. But I'm at the point, guys, where it's getting, you know, I'm not saying my enthusiasm is gone. My enthusiasm is draining. So plays to Rashid Shaheed, plays to Taysom Hill, plays to Juwan Johnson. Those put a smile on my face and give me a little bit of life as we try to get through the end of this miserable year. But with that being said, next game's played on Christmas Eve against the Browns. I'll have content for that. But until then, I hope you guys enjoy your upcoming week. I'll definitely have more videos coming out before Christmas and, and the holidays coming up. So I'll wish you guys to enjoy that kind of stretch then when those days come. But until then, guys, try and enjoy your Victory Monday, the first one in a minute, and see what happens. Maybe the Saints win out. Maybe they go back to the bullshit and fire DA. I don't know. I just want something good, man. I just want something exciting, and I hope they give it to us. I don't know if they will, though, but we'll see what happens. But either way, I'll be here to cover it on the Straight Up Saints podcast, the destination for the Houdat Nation. Have a good Sunday, everyone. Enjoy your Victory Monday.